All right. Roll around the barrel. Here at Old Bethpage, New York. The Old Bethpage Village Restoration. Coming to you bright and early on a Sunday morning. For the match I've been waiting for all weekend. Right here with 1884 rules. At 8.30 it is at the Hewlett Field. It's the Canton Corn Shuckers. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying anything. And the Providence Grays, a team I was able to see a couple of times yesterday, so I have grown a little bit familiar. We're doing something a little different here to us, to, to most of my listeners, I would think, at least half of them. We're doing 1884 rules. So right now I'm watching the pitcher for the Grays warm up, and he is throwing it. And it he's throwing it hard. He's a lefty. Uh, the catcher has your catcher's equipment that you would recognize. We're looking at a chest chest guard, a glove, and a mask. Mr. Dean Emma of the Brooklyn Atlantics is your umpire today. He also will be wearing a appropriately accurate time period mask for the umpire. And coming to the plate to lead off the game is Mr. Feeney of the Canton Corn Shuckers in their first ever 1884 match. I don't know who's pitching for the Corn Shuckers yet. That'll be interesting uh, when the next inning comes up. But the lefty is uh, coming to a set and throwing left-handed. And we are getting balls and strikes called, and that was ball one. This will be interesting as it's a, a low pitch gets past the uh, catcher. But there is a backstop, a full backstop here at uh, Hewlett Field. So I assume that's going to actually happen a lot today uh, in this match. I believe the count is 2-0. and oh. uh, I don't know the rules of 1884. I've never had to look into them uh, for a match. So I'm going to get a lot of things wrong in this. That is a high pitch. The count is 3-0 and oh on Mr. Feeney. Uh, pitcher comes to a set. And Mr. Feeney and 3 is uh, hitting, and he crushes it down the right field line on a line that's going to go up past the road and into the trees. Mr. Feeney is definitely getting his third on this. The ball is coming back in to the cutoff, then to the, then to the second baseman. Uh, and Mr. Feeney, Marbles, is going to start this game off with a very well-hit triple. And that's going to bring who? That's not a question. Uh, with a man on third, pitcher's going to take his set. Here comes the. It's a it's a strike, uh, to. Who? And uh, I'm trying to liken his pitching style as the count goes one and one to a uh, a major league pitcher, so you can get a. He's he's a lefty. It's almost CC Sabathia ish. And he's coming over the top, but sometimes he'll go. Oh, and there's a quick pitch. Quick pitch gets who, and that's a two and two. Uh, sometimes he comes a little bit from the side. Uh, there's a bouncer. That's going to make that a full count. I assume the catcher is in this 1884 style. Take a beating. Pitcher comes to a set. 
who hits it, it's going to be a grounder to the shortstop. Shortstop's up with it. The throw over to first is going to be mis mishandled over at first base. Now, Mr. Feeney's going to score. Who's going to take his first? Now, who runs past the base? Because you do not have to stick the bag in 1884 rules. So my first instinct was like, where's he going? But, I mean... When you're dealing with this style of play, that, that stopping at first, I don't. I think it's very obvious that that ended a long time ago. There's a steal attempt by who? Catcher did a fantastic job to pick that out of the ground on a bounce and still get off a throw to second base. But uh, who's going to get in there with a the stolen base? Uh, Copper's up to the plate now with a one and zero count. Copper pops it up behind the backstop. And into the bushes. Uh, no play being made on that. They do. Now, these are just subtle differences, but there's a backup ball. So the backup ball that hasn't been used yet is into the game. Pitcher to his set, into his motion. The low to the backstop. Who's going to take his third? Uh, so I'll be interested to see what happens with the game ball when it comes back into play. Now, these seem like subtle, stupid questions that I'm asking myself, but I don't really know the answers, so I'm just throwing them out there as a pitch down the middle of the copper. Quick pitch, quick pitch, and uh, it, and another quick pitch. So copper swung at the, the first quick pitch, and then uh, the second quick pitch was uh, a bit high. I believe we're at one and two. Copper hits it into the ground down the third baseline. Foul ball. I can already tell you that the Canton Corn Shuckers are in to this game. Uh, and there's a bouncer to the shortstop. Nice big hop for the shortstop. Throw over to first is going to be uh, mishandled at first. Copper's going to be... <laughs> safe and who is going to score bringing that to two to nothing it was a, a a good throw mr travers just came up with a case of the butterfingers as happens in vintage baseball i don't know if you've heard but it's hard to catch a baseball with your bare hands it's going to bring a bone shaker as the ball gets past the the catcher and copper's going to slide into second base Probably with a giant smile in the back of his head. And uh, Copper, uh, with a big lead off of second, they throw back to second because of his huge lead, and he takes off for third. That's vintage Copper that you just saw as he takes third. The speed of the corn shuckers at the top of the lineup as has played um, into the minds of the Grays a little bit. Canton's going to need these runs, by the way. The Grays are going to do some hitting in this game. As uh, Bone Shaker pops it straight up in the air to the first baseman, uh, that's going to hit the ground next to first base. That's going to be a fair ball. Copper's going to score, and Bone Shaker's going to take us first. 
Mr. Travers is having a, a tough start to the game, but I would not expect that to last. As meal ticket comes up, lefty versus lefty, there's a subtle little fake of a throw over to first base uh, during his motion, but he does come home with it. So it's a that's a neat little thing he did there. Uh, pitcher comes set. He does throw over to first on this one. Uh, it does appear that Bone Shaker's not taking a too much of a selfish lead. The and uh, the, th the pitch, it's a, a swing through by Meal Ticket. A quick pitch, Meal Ticket ready for it, uh, but hits it into the shrubbery uh, on the other side of the path down the third baseline on a line. So that's an 0-2 count right now. That's a low, a low pitch to Meal Ticket. I believe the count is one and two. I tell you what, having a count to be able to talk about and these quick pitches and this, this is a, a lot easier to talk about. Meal ticket hits it through the hole at shortstop because of somewhat of a shift. It wasn't exaggerated, but it was enough for meal ticket to hit a hard grounder into left field. So Bone Shaker's going to take a second. Meal ticket's on first, and this is going to bring up six shooter, newest member of the Canton Corn Shuckers. going to be a strike one. I don't know if six shooters ever played this style of base. Well, none of them have, but uh, the six shooter was on a other club, the Rochester Grangers, for a while. I, I would assume they've never, as there was a pitch low in the dirt, I would assume they've never played 1884 rules as well, so this is probably a, a big thrill for six shooter as well. And we got Dirtbag on deck. Six-shooter pounds it into the ground. It's going to go foul down the first baseline uh, past the bench. Mr. Travers retrieves. This is, uh, I can already tell you, we haven't even gotten through a half of an inning, and this is fun to watch. This is way different than your normal 64 vintage baseball game. The energy is a high pitch to six-shooter. Three and one is the count. Uh, their heads are in it, everybody. It's uh, chess being played all over the field. Six shooters going to hit it down the first baseline. That's going to be just foul. But uh, it's a different, it's a di different atmosphere. I have my wife sitting next to me, and she's she agrees with everything I'm saying. It's just different, and it's fun. Isn't this fun? This is, uh, boy, I'm already thinking about how you can play 1884 in Michigan. <laughs> There's a high pitch. Six-shooter pounds it into the ground right in front of him. That's going to go foul. Catcher's going to get a workout not only from the action but from the heat today. I, I hope that they're switching catchers out. If they can do that, I don't know. It's a 
You took something off that one. Yes, that's a vintage off-speed pitch. It was high. There's a strike call on six-shooter. It is a full count now. So even though six-shooter had all those foul balls, apparently they didn't count as strikes. Uh, so I'm learning that. Runner's on the move. Six-shooter swings through. He is out. And six shooters going to be the first out on a, a well-thrown ball by the pitcher of the Grays. That came with some heat on it. And uh, here's Adam Johnson, dirtbag. Also, now, of all the people playing with the shuckers, and there's a swing through, strike one. And there's a quick pitch. And Mr. Johnson laces it down the left field line. That's a fair ball. That's going to score two. Dirtbag's going to take his second standing up. The ball's coming in. That's going to put two more on the board for Canton. And let me tell you what, down the left field line, he roped it, and it had distance. Uh, impressive hit. One of the top ten hits I've seen this weekend. Could be a top six. Here's Ace, the 2022 Michigan Vintage Baseball Festival's gingerly gentleman champion. Uh, they're going to see some speed here with Ace. Who, talking to the Canton Corn Shuckers, we're so looking forward to this match. And there's a strike one and then a quick pitch, and it's high. It's one and one. The pitcher for the Grays, I know he's given up five runs, and they've gotten some... Good hits as he turns and fakes a throw to second and just throws it to the shortstop. Just giving the runner a different look. That's all that was. Uh, as Mr. Johnson has about a four-step lead from second. There's a high pitch to Mr. Twilliger. Uh, they were all so looking forward to this. And uh, I tell you what, there's a swing through by Mr. Twilliger. I bet you there's more 1884 matches in their future. Uh, this is just fun. Uh, that's a high. Took something off of it. Went a bit high. Pitcher in the motion. He comes way down. That's a... He's going to get past the catcher to the backstop. Mr. Johnson's going to take his third. Now, the pitcher came from way down low on that one, giving the batter a different look. And uh, my suggestion to the pitcher would be keep the ball high. Have it <laughs> uh, to Mr. Twilliger. Mr. Twilliger pounds it into the ground. You're going to see some speed, and you don't want that in action. Uh, Ace hits it, and it looked like it was going to the shortstop, but the pitcher lays out to his right. Towards third base, dives and makes the catch in the air. Phenomenal play by the pitcher. Ace is going to be the second out. Top six play I've seen all weekend. All right, if we want to be realistic about it, that could be the best play I've seen all weekend. But definitely in the top six. Here's the Muffin Man, the ninth man in the order for the Canton Corn Shuckers. Uh, 
I always say how the can- corn shuckers are going to have giant smiles on their faces all match. He's actually got a giant smile on his face right now. Uh, that's a ball one high to the muffin man. And that's a ball too high. Muffin man started to swing, but did not go. And that's a uh, ball three. Muffin man is up there with a 3-0 count. Two ounce, top of the first inning. Muffin man starts a swing, somewhat of a check swing, and follows it straight back. That's going to be a 3-1 count. Pitcher comes set. Mr. Johnson with a uh, little bit of a lead off a third. Muffin man hits it, foul, uh, straight back on the ground. So I think the count is still 3-0 because I don't think these fouls count as strikes. Muffin Man's going to swing through. He's definitely shortened, got a short swing right now. He's just trying to make contact. He does to the third baseman. The third baseman sticks on his foot, knocks it down, throws to first, and that's going to be too late as the Muffin Man makes his first. Dirtbag is going to score on that. Canton has uh, hit through in the first inning as the score is six to nothing. We've gone back up to the top of the lineup, and it's Mike Feeney. For Canton, Muffin Man with a modest lead as the pitch is high. A modest lead over at first base, uh, and with the weight being. Uh, on his left leg, so as to say he's giving up the fact. Quick pitch to Mr. Feeney. That's uh, another ball. Throw down to first. Muffin Man is back. Look for the hidden ball trick. That's not happening. The, he did not even attempt it. I did not. I was just looking for it. He, there was none of that. Pitch to Mr. Feeney on the way. It's a swing through by Mr. Feeney. That's another throw down to first. It's going to get away from the first baseman a little bit, but not far enough for Muffin Man to advance. Mr. Feeney is going to make contact through the hole on the right side. It's going to go to the right fielder. Muffin Man's going to take his second. And uh, Marbles is going to take his first. And now I'm being joined by Quirky Gaskell. Let me turn that mic on. Say something. Testing one, two. Yeah, oh, that sounds, you sound better than I do. We got to fix that. <laughs> Testing one, two. <laughs> so Quirky Gaskell joining me. Thank God. Uh, 1884 rules. I've seen some things I'm I'm not sure about, and Corky is going to know all of the answers to this. Is who comes up to the plate, and the first pitch was high, and who hits it straight up in the air to the left fielder, high, high enough to get underneath it. Uh, he's going to mishandle. Uh, everyone advances. Muffin Man is going to try to score on this, and he is going to be safe. Mr. Feeney's going to take his third, and who is going to take his second? Uh, muffin Man running home with a giant smile on his <laughs> face. I don't know if he expected to get thrown out. I don't know if I don't know if he's just having the time of his life. I'm not sure what happened on that. Uh, Corky, 1884 rules. If you're talking to somebody 
and uh, we'll try to fit this in between pitches, but if you're talking to somebody that knows 64 first pitch on the way to Copper, Copper hits it down the third baseline to the third baseman. Slight bobble. Throw over to first is high. It's going to get past Mr. Travers at first. Uh, we're going to have Marble score. We're going to have Who score. We're going to have Copper. Copper has brought the speed back out of his uh, his bag today. I mean, he looks faster than I've seen him in a couple years as Copper takes his third. Canton's going to need all these runs, so let's not get carried away and think that. You never know with these guys. They might just they might just shut them down. You just never know. As a high pitch to uh, Bone Shaker, who's up to the plate. Uh, and that's going to be outside, so it's 2-0. and When you're talking to somebody 1864 and 1867 rolls, and that's what they're used to. Pitch to Bone Shaker is a high, deep, very deep. The left fielder does track it down, but he does not make the play. It's going to bounce off his hands. And uh, Copper's going to score easily on that. Bone Shaker's going to take a second. And you know what? I'm going to ask you this question and have you answer it when they make the transition to the Grays coming to the plate because it's going to require some time. But the question's going to be, Corky, what's the easiest way to explain the rule differences when you're talking with somebody like me from the Midwest who only sees 64 and 67 and then is watching a phenomenal as there's a meal ticket up to the plate and there's a pitch over his head? Uh, that's going to send Bone Shaker over to third. Easiest way to uh, put it into words, the differences of what we're seeing here, because obviously there's 17 years between 67 and 1884, so so many rules have changed. So many things have gotten the game to the point, pitch high, 2-0, uh, to where it is to what I'm seeing right here today. So my question will be, and that looks like 3-0, meal ticket is what's the best way to explain that and that's going to take you the whole time they transition well it it actually <laughs> won't um i i personally i wouldn't be able to go one by one rule by rule but the way i try to explain it is that as you move into the 1880s you're you're transitioning into the modern game so from 1884 now until the modern oh. game there's some things that change but it's it's not a lot you're going to you're going to see things much closer to a modern game. You have to put that modern game hat on. Like you know, when I first got here, I saw I saw a muffin running through first base, right. and right away my my instinct said, "Why don't they tag him?" But then I thought, "Oh, oh, that's right." This is I mentioned that I mentioned that <laughs> earlier. My first instinct, I yeah. watch who run through the base as meal tickets gonna take it outside. Uh, was where's who going? He's yeah. running way past the base. Yeah. He knows better than that. And but you. You know, like you said, you just got to put on your mind is there's a walk so to a meal one, ticket. One of the first things people will notice, of course, is the overhand pitching. Um, and what you can't see from here and what, you know, unless you're standing there, you can't see. The pitcher actually has a box now. He's, he's, he's within a box. Um, and that, that box came about, I think, in 1874. As so a when, meal ticket's going to steal a second. When you hear people say... Hear the term that was hit back through the box. That box started in 1874. Six shooter's going to hit it into right field. It's going to drop in and it's going to score two runs. And uh, it's a single for six shooter. That's going to bring up dirtbag. Go ahead. But he's still on flat ground. We don't have a pitching 
mound yet, and that's actually a 20th century thing. They started raising the area for the pitcher in the 1890s, but it was more for drainage. They didn't want that spot to be so wet all the time. So it had a little bit of a raised, like a ramp look, if you will, to get the water to drain away. But he's still flat ground. He's he's further away than a than 64, of course. Um, you, you go now to the four balls and three strikes versus 64, three balls, three strikes. Um, you got an umpire now that's not waiting to warn anybody. You get a, you know, you're calling pitches. That's right. Right. And so, you know, that's it's a little bit of, of getting used to. Um, and and if you didn't already say, Dean Emma is doing the umpiring. Um, you know, he knows the game because they've played the overhand game uh, in Brooklyn as well. So foul balls are not strikes. Is that correct? Uh, not yet. I believe that was in the 90s. So Mr. Johnson fouled off his first pitch, took a strike on his second pitch, and then has taken a couple of balls. So it's two and one, I believe, on Mr. Johnson, who in his first at-bat absolutely crushed it to left field. Pitcher comes from the side, down the left field line. That's going to be foul. Another hard hit ball down the left field line, but that's going to be just foul. And people were going to be running Running and running on that one. And, and that's another point. Now, that foul ball, you see the players are just kind of walking back to the base now. There's Free no, get backs. Yeah, no, get it to the pitcher, get it to the pitcher, uh, which is a confusing part of the 64 game for those that don't watch it. And all of these differences between the 64 and the 84, they all happened like one at a time, basically. Oh, it took 20 years to evolve to this. Yeah. From. Uh, for example, 1871 was the year they could run through the base, through first base. That oh. was the first year. So that's not now been in play for 13 years from into 1884. So what is it, do you know the answer to this question, as Mr. Johnson hits another foul ball? What is it about 1884 that makes a team like the Grays stop at 84 and decide to play those rules? That was the first year of their, uh, I believe it was the, their championship. 1884. So they picked a year okay. based on when they won a championship, and that's the year they represent. If I remember Mr. Travers' story on that. And uh, there's a, a pitcher takes a little something off and uh, is a strike to Mr. Johnson. Next pitch is uh, a ball inside. How many strikes do they get? Three. Three strikes. It's uh, a. So he, he said. Five two, and so there's a. Um, it, I think it, it ends up getting up to six, if I remember, because you get two, like gift ball, you know, two two that like they they count but they don't count kind of thing. Um, so it's six balls for a walk, and that would be a walk to Mr. Yeah. Johnson right there. And the so high there was pitch. actually a year where it was nine, believe it or not. Um, it took nine, but what they did is they counted wides, which were unhittable versus balls that were just like off the plate a little bit you know they were treated differently and you had to get nine of the, you know nine of these things um and it was hard for an umpire to keep track of that and that's going to bring him joe twilliger uh strike and a six shooter off a second with about a four-step lead and mr johnson with a two-step off a of first there's a strike two to ace as canton is uh Took something off of it, a little bit high. Quick pitch to Mr. Twilliger, who's going to swing through and strike out, strike three. That's going to bring the first half. Boy, that was a good inning by the Canton team. 
Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve runs for the Canton Corn Shuckers in their introduction to 1884 baseball. That's a good thing these guys don't know how to play the game. (laughs) That's okay, I guess. In in 84, are all ball strikes? I don't think we have that right. Okay. So in in three years from now, in 18, are we still in the air? (laughs) Yes, we are. Three years from now, in 1887, they actually go to five balls and four strikes. A lot of people don't know that there was actually one year where they had four strikes to make an out. How long did that last? One year. Yeah, it should have. And <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm always grateful because when we sing in the seventh inning stretch, that four strikes you're out thing, it just throws the whole song off. <laughs> it doesn't sound right, you know. Uh, so, uh, so we have who that's going to be doing the pitching for the Canton Corn Shuckers. We got Copper that's going to take the challenge of, of catching. Good for him. Uh, I know that uh, they were discussing last night who was going to be doing the pitching and catching, and also, so I would expect meal ticket at some point today to uh, tow the hill. It's not a hill. <laughs> the slab, the box, to uh, make the box his own later, I guess. Yeah, kid's got an arm. I'd let him try it. And uh, And then... You know, Copper has a phenomenal arm, yeah. but I don't know if he has any pitching experience or anything, so we might not see Copper out there. But uh, from what I understand, there is a bit of pitching in whose background, uh, which is what's bringing him to the – so he does have your basic right-handed motion. And uh, you know, With these guys, it wouldn't surprise me if every one of them took a turn pitching. You know, it wouldn't surprise me, yeah. except it's not going to happen. Well, so <laughs> not today. Well, in it, in it the future, be, then it would it, surprise me. <laughs> it would surprise me today, as they were taking this challenge very seriously with uh, not treating it as trying to match the intensity that the Providence Grays bring to an eighteen eighty four match is what they're going to do, and they weren't going to treat it with any of that. Uh, that's going to bring. I believe this is Mr. Dugan. I thought his name. It's Mike. It's Mike Dugan, leadoff for the Grays. He was a leadoff hitter uh, for the Grays yesterday when the Grays put it on a couple of teams, the Resolutes and the Furnace. And first pitch swing and Mr. Dugan to the shortstop. That six shooter with the throw over to first base. It's going to be a mishandle by meal ticket and uh, he tried to pick it up and get it in time but it looks like uh, he is safe at first mr dugan a little bit of a low throw but he uh, kept his foot on the base and boy he comes up with that ball and he had a nice out but didn't happen mr travers up to the plate what's home plate look like in 1884 it's See, round it's still round they, uh, the shape of the base is, again, it's a little, little bit more of a modern thing. Um, so there's a, a swing through of Mr. Travers, an attempted steal by Mr. Dugan, and he's going to get in with the slide. The throw is a little bit offline. Pitch by who? It's going to be followed straight back by Mr. Travers. I'm going to 
correct my previous statement that the plate is square in 1884. The plate is square. And I would assume that plate right there that we can't see uh, <laughs> is square. It could be a, a episode <laughs> for all we know. <laughs> That's going to be a bit outside from who? Gotcha. Banquet is on the on deck circle. Mr. Travers on a hot shot up to left center field. That's going to get past the fielders into the gap. Uh, Marbles is going to close the gap a little bit and hold Travers to a single, but that is going to score Mr. Dugan. And I told you, Canton's going to need all the runs that they can muster uh, because the Grays also bring their bats to the game. I saw it all day yesterday, so... This is going to be a very high-scoring affair from what I'm seeing early. I, I don't remember uh, what they said for this. Are they timing this one as well, or are they going to let them play a full nine? I have not been told, but I would assume they're timing it. Okay, so this may be a, a five-inning game. But they did give them a little bit more time because this is a two-hour time. Uh, grounder to third by Banquet. There's going to be a misplay at third. He's going to take his first. Mr. Travers is going to take a second. So all of the games this weekend have a one-hour and 45-minute time limit, and they gave two hours to this match. Gotcha. Yep, good, good. So the next match here that I'll be uh, – that I'm also looking forward to is the Brooklyn Atlantics and the Connecticut Bulldogs. I've never seen the Bulldogs. Looking forward to that. Oh, now you can see they're changing out the plate. They're going square. Good thing you asked that question. Do you think that we <laughs> caused that? I, I do. I hope I hope nobody's mad at us. I think Dean looked over here and said, oh, my God, Matt's doing a live broadcast, and they're talking about the plays. <laughs> uh, Somebody so on that podcast might see this. It's square. Now, the problem with that plate is it's rubber. Is that accurate? No. <laughs> well, it's, I think it's actually a base. <laughs> but it's square. It is square. And I think it'll make it easier for the umpire as well, well to happen to plate to... Uh, the ball gets past the catcher, so uh, Banquet's going to take a second. Brian Travers is going to take his third, so it's easier to call balls and strikes when it's not a circle. I can vouch for that. <laughs> so John's ahead of Johnny. Yeah, John's John, ahead of Johnny. John hit here. Johnny Thank you. Change the lineup a little bit from the Grays, but... I appreciate the fact that they came over and told me. I missed the play. They, uh, they called Mr. Travers out. So we still got Banquet on second. And he's taking his third. I assume Mr. Travers was out on a play. We missed a play as there is a, something happening. And this is Jerry up to the plate. So what happened to Aiden? So we don't know what happened to Aiden, and I don't see him on a base, and I, he must be back sitting down behind the, the scoreboard. I'm assuming he's on as well. <laughs> and so we're going to get to the bottom of this. Uh, Mr. Emma just took a foul ball off the mask, which is something that's going to happen. Uh, he shakes it off. Now, they don't have a helmet to protect their head. They don't have anything but the mask. 
And uh, so did Brian Travers score, or was he called out on something? Well, the way he slammed his bat. Right, right. So Aiden on a ground out is the first down of the inning. There's a hit by Jerry to the shortstop. Shortstop's come, coming up with it, coming home. Short throw. Banquet's going to score. Brian did score. Brian Travers did score. So there's one out in the inning. That's going to be the Grays' third run as Jerry takes his first. Six shooter did not waste any time in that decision. He knew where he was going, and that's an old baseball wisdom thing. Know where you're going with the ball when the, before the ball even gets hit to you. And he knew uh, the ball was just a little bit short for Copper to, to bring in. Uh, the ball gets by Copper on the pitch, so Jerry's going to take his second. And if I may, I know that, that glove that Copper has on his hand, he's never seen in his life. And him getting used to catching the ball, I don't care if that throw is right on. That's a tough catch with that glove. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we it. just saw it because that, yeah. that pitch was almost down the middle. Yeah. And we, when you got to stick your second bare hand out there to hold that ball in on a pitch, you don't like that. <laughs> you don't like that. But he, he's, he's managing quite well for not having done it before. There's a ground ball down third baseline. That's going to be foul. Uh, I would assume the – the whole hitting in fair, and then it goes foul, so it's a fair ball thing. That's long gone yeah, by now. Long gone. And that's why the umpire waited for that ball to roll into foul territory, even though it landed fair. There's a strike to Mr. Henson. And that's going to be a strikeout. <laughs> Johnny. Boy, Brian. <laughs> Boy, Brian. Fix your hat, Johnny. <laughs> Johnny's coming to the plate. Uh, whose motion is a very small leg kick, and uh, he'll look back. He'll come to the plate with a very small leg kick and comes in, but it does look like there's a strike that he's accurate. And he's it, got some good speed for that. Yeah, he's not, he's not wasting his energy, that's and for sure. And he took something off of that one. There's a grounder to third. It's going to be a short hop to first. Is Meal Ticket going to come up with it? He does, and that's going to end the inning. Wow. A fantastic pick out of the dirt by Meal Ticket. That's going to leave Grandpa to lead off the next inning for the Grays. And, uh, well, score is going to be after one inning. Canton 12, the Providence Grays 3. And, uh, you bring water, Dean? You got you yeah, taken care of? Okay. Yep. I just want to make sure. As Copper is still on the field taking off his catcher's equipment, not familiar with it, never having <laughs> put it on before. So it's a, it's a struggle. They're sharing the equipment, obviously. It's not like this is readily available to everybody. Uh, and they got to share the same sweaty glove. COVID. <laughs> Well, something about leather, I've heard, you know, through the CDC. That's the a completely leather. different <laughs> discussion, Corky. <laughs> I'm going to sit here and watch this game. I'm umpiring the next game, and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be all screwed up now watching this. Oh, yeah. this is, you're going to be like, oh, he can run past first, whatever. <laughs> That's not a fall ball. It hasn't rolled past the line yet. <laughs> well, and Mr. Emma plays – Way more than he umpires. Oh, yeah. But if you got an umpire that's switching back and forth, and I don't know of any of them, I'm sure there are some because East Coast, you get all kinds of different rule sets, keeping them straight. 
When you're even in a single day bouncing between years, oh, that's got to be hard on the brain. Yesterday I did a 67, and I was trying to explain to the Connecticut team because they'd never played 67, a few of those differences. And it, it forced me to get my head wrapped around that game too. So it's sometimes it's good for an umpire to talk through with the captains before the game and just make sure uh, that everything's on par for both clubs. So top of the second, Muffin Man's going to lead off for Canton. He's going to take the first pitch for a strike, uh, and he knew it, and he gave a, a head nod to the pitcher as confirming what we already knew by the strike call, that that was a good pitch. Second pitch is going to be in the dirt and go back to the backstop. So we got a, a one-in-one count here on the Muffin Man, who uh, sh has shortened up his swing for, for this match and is way more concerned about... And that was more of a three-quarter uh, swing by Muffin on a, on a swing and a miss. But he, he does appear to just be worried about contact. There's a pitch overhead, two to two and two, to the Muffin. Mr. Tidwell coming over to check out the score. Muffin Man hits it into the dirt. That's going to be foul. As uh, the Grays do have the same pitcher. Uh, lefty lefty brings it. The ball uh, hits in the dirt after the Muffin Man swings. So there is a throw down to first to complete the strikeout. And that's something very familiar with modern-day baseball. Oh, it's actually familiar with 1864 baseball as well. Is it? Yes, it is. If you swing and miss the third strike. Catcher doesn't catch it in the air or on one bound. You are bound to run to first. Do you and know why I... on base that's forced to has to run as well. Do you know why I don't know that rule, Corky? Is because uh, nobody has two strikes on them <laughs> in in the Midwest ever. So, <laughs> well, yeah, you, 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 that's a fair point. But I have seen it happen. Let's put it that way. And I've seen double plays and triple plays turned because of it. So, um, yeah, but it is. It has been around since the beginning of time. See, learning everything here today. For the history aspect of the podcast, uh, Mr. Feeney takes the, the, the square. And I believe the count is 3-0. and Lefty over the top. He sticks his hand out to block a line drive to the shortstop. Shortstop does get the ball. Throws over accurately to first base. And uh, exactly what the doctor ordered for the Grays is they got the first two ounce of the inning, and Marbles was one of them. So... Uh, if they can get out of this with who not getting on base, uh, that's going to be a giant shot in the arm for the Grays. Uh, pitcher comes set, throw to the dish, it's high. And uh, he does have a, a towel in his back pocket as to wipe off the ball. As there's a strike to who. The sweat is prevalent. And you can see the beginning of rosin. <laughs> it comes later. But uh, you're playing a hot game, and there's a follow straight back by who. It's going to get back into the shrubbery. Lucky there. It's just rolling nope. in the grass. Miss the shrubbery. It's just in the grass. And that, if you haven't been back in the shrubbery, boy, you're missing out. I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> High pitch. Come out, of, come out of that with the ball, you're done good. High pitch to uh, who? 
And there's a little little high, little inside to who. Uh, this left-handed pitcher for the Grays does bring some heat. Uh, but he, on that one, he took something off. And he, uh, quick pitch now to who. Who's wow. a swing through and a strikeout. One, two, three. And uh, that's going to, like I said, that's going to help the Grays after the 12 spot in the first inning they gave up. They uh, got him one, two, three to go to the bottom of the second with a score still 12 to three. All right. Canton's coming out with the same thing now. Now we have catchers helping each other, taking off and putting on equipment. And uh, who's towing the box? And uh, that's going to bring up Grandpa. So last night at Big Bat's house, there was a uh, presentation of a cup acknowledging the 25-year anniversary of the Providence Grays. And Grandpa was there to uh, accept the award. 25 years for a vintage baseball team is in its second reincarnation. So plenty of history on top of plenty of history. So much history. If you're doing a podcast, you got to have history. You gotta have Why history. Why would anyone listen if they're not giving you history? Right? I'm in the top 400 <laughs> history podcasts. There you go. You might make it to 399 with, with what you're learning Oh, today. no, I'm 314. <laughs> I just didn't want to be a snob about it. <laughs> Well, let's shoot for the twos. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, as uh, well, these these ones that actually have history in the episode help. The episodes are doesn't. That's a, that's a problem. Grandpa pounds it into the ground. That's going to be foul straight back. Did you mention the uh, nice award the Providence Grays got last night? I just did. Okay, thank you. I, I stepped away, so I apologize <laughs> to the listeners. That that's all right. <laughs> uh, it was. And there's a swing through by Grandpa. It was an acknowledgement of the 25 years of the reincarnation of the Grays. How many years did the original Providence Grays stick around? That's a Mr. Travers question. Let's bring over Mr. Travers for a second from Providence, if he will, because they're in mid-game. There's a chance that he's just not willing to uh, partake in any questions. Grandpa hits a slow hopper to second. Mr. Johnson's going to come up with that. Throw over to first is going to get Grandpa. That's going to be the first down of the inning. That's going to bring up Kai. And Kai is the pitcher for the Grays uh, in this game. And a uh, low pitch by who? To Kai. So we're... And I don't have, I'm going to turn on this ambient mic. Oh, it's too late. They're done talking. He's in the hole, so he's going to wait. But he did say 85 was the final year of Providence, original Providence Grace. Oh, okay. And there's a long fly ball out to right center field. It's going to drop in between the fielders. Ace is going to come up with that ball and throw it into second and hold Kai to a single. On a, on a fine hit and a fine 
defensive play. That's going to bring the back up to the top of the order. It's Mike Dugan. I think his name is Mike. It was Mike yesterday. <laughs> but but my daughter's writing looks more like a Nate today. It, first name. Does that say Mike or Nate? <laughs> I think it's Mike from yesterday, but it's Mike. Okay, because if I was, if his name was Nate, I would have been so wrong yesterday all day. There's a pitch inside of Mr. Dugan. Mr. Monty is strolling to the field as. There's a pitch outside that gets away from the catcher, and Kai's gonna Kai's gonna make his way over to the third. As you can hear, the planes have started with their flybys. The microphones pick up the planes very well. I don't know why. And there's a hot shot into left field. Uh, it's gonna be a one hopper to the left fielder. He's gonna get the ball into second. That's gonna score Kai, and it's gonna. Put a run on the board in the second inning for the Grizz. <laughs> on a well, well struck ball. See, Providence is going to uh, hit the ball well. This was all what was going to happen here. Mr. Travers is up, rubbing some dirt on it. In case anybody's curious about the ball, the ball has <clears throat> has not changed size or weight since 1872. The only thing that's different now in this era, they've started using machines. To make them so they're not all handmade, so it is a little bit harder. There's a steal of second by Mr. Dugan, and uh, on a low pitch, I believe, to Mr. Travers. Uh, what's the differences between the ball between 67 and 72? So it's 67. It's a quarter inch more Pop. circumference and a quarter ounce more in weight. Pop up to the third baseman. Uh, Mr. Tidwell is going to camp out underneath it. And put that away for the second out of the inning. 71 was the first year where they limited the amount of rubber you could have inside. You, had, you could not use more than one ounce. Before that, it, there was no restriction. It was just the total weight of the ball had to match you know, what was in the rule book. So now today, it's one ounce of vulcanized rubber, which is just rubber strips that have been melted down into a solid ball. So, you know, Corky, you always make fun of how people get annoyed by you and your baseball <laughs> wisdom. You. <laughs> but without you, how in the hell would anybody know that? They'd have to go read a book. And there's a fly ball into right center field. Ace is going to camp underneath it, make the play. And, uh, boy, you thought for sure that Providence was going to take advantage of the whitewash in the top of the second, and they only put one on the board uh, in the bottom of the second. That's going to make the score 12-4. to 4. Uh, I am. Are you? <laughs> as the switching of the catching equipment begins, but I'm, I'll be taking a little bit of a tour of Old Beth Page so later today after the second match of the day as I want to go check out the rest of the area. And then, uh, so I will be doing... The Brooklyn Atlantics Connecticut Bulldogs match and then taking a break and 
coming back for the New York Mutuals New Jersey Liberty match from uh, from two until three forty five, and that's going to bring my day to an end. Uh, I'm hoping to get maybe a couple more interviews and some stuff in between, but really the play by play and seeing these teams is uh, is really where the money is for me right now. This is. This is a memory right here that I'm going to have for the rest of my life, this match right here. This is so fun at such a great venue with such great history. I mean, I don't know if I could get a better scenario than, than what I got right now. I got the one of the best teams in the Midwest, definitely one of the top three teams thought of in the Midwest out here playing as uh, Copper is going to lead off the inning with a single up to center field. Yeah, it's interesting to think of, you know, vintage baseball getting its start, right? Everyone plays it. They don't know when it started. They don't know where it started. And here we are uh, at Old Bethpage Village in Old Bethpage, New York. Back in 1979, there's a pitch inside. Put the runner on first days. Ball got away from the catcher. Picked it up quickly. Mr. Uh, Tidwell takes a, a strike, and uh, I'll be interested to see how the wear and tear of the heat and the game goes on these pitchers. You know, uh, modern day, you're talking pitch counts. Is there's a Steal attempt, but the ball is going to be hit to center field. Camped underneath, well held by the center fielder. And uh, Copper is going to head back to first. How, will he be pitching the whole game? Will Is there at some point where the arm starts to get tired and the exhaustion comes in and you got to bring in a different pitcher? All of these things I have no idea about. Uh, you know, how many people on the team are capable and have experience of doing this for Providence? They they play by this rule set, so not, you know, on a regular basis, but on a somewhat. There's a steal attempt by Copper, the throw down to second. Copper slides in. Copper's brought back his legs uh, this weekend. He, he looks fast again. I'm sorry if he takes that as an insult. He's, he's, he's uh, 17 years older than he was in 1864. He's <laughs> uh, Meal ticket is up at the plate. Lefty versus lefty. And meal ticket oh, no. hits it. Uh, they're never going to find that ball. And uh, that probably happens a lot. If you went back there, how many balls do you think you're going to come across? <laughs> I think you would be turning around before you get too far in. There's just thorns galore. It is, it is nasty back in there. Challenge accepted. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> you, you need to put long pants on, sir. I'll just tell you that right now. Listen, <laughs> it's worth the pain, isn't it? it? That's part of the process. Copper's going to third. Let's face it, I'm not going back there. Well, <laughs> and I will say this. If that was one of my baseballs, I would be back there right now. <laughs> as one of my children. Right. I invested two hours in that. <laughs> <laughs> but, Corky, you would leave your children back there. <laughs> 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 this is a high fly ball down third baseline. 
there's going to be an attempt, but they're not going to have uh, enough time to get over there to it. I did notice with the Providence pitcher from time to time, he kind of comes down, brings his arm down a little bit. Yeah. I've been saying he looks a little bit like CC Sabathia it, with uh, the motion, the motion and the coming side once in a while. Sid Fernandez also comes to mind. And um, it's a strike. A lot of, a lot of people, if you're going to go on a little history of things, people don't know, um, you know, the, the term hurler that's used too much is actually a, a 20th century term. The first nickname that the pitcher got was because of what you're seeing with him is twirler because he was twirling coming down like a twirler. He just came from the side yep. and struck out meal ticket on a fantastic pitch. So twirler, you said? Twirler was the first nickname that a pitcher in baseball got. And it was in that 18, late 1870s era as, as pitchers tried to work their way towards overhand. They started going a little bit sidearm. Six and shooter. The nickname of Twirler came along. It's a high pitch. Late 1870s. Count one and one. That should get you to 298. <laughs> <laughs> I find it hard to believe there was no nickname before and quick pitch by Kai. Uh, it's high. I would assume there was just not a nickname that was widely used. They probably had. A variety of nicknames for the pitcher before then, but nothing that was. Well, why? I mean, why? Why, why would they do that? It's a brand new game. They're just out playing the ball. Why would someone say, "Hey, let's have a nickname for this"? You know, so when did that start getting <laughs> called pitcher? He's been the pitcher since baseball because cricket was a bowler. Okay, so you're telling me from the very beginning until Twirler comes around that nobody had. I'm telling you. So, there were teams that had nicknames for the pitcher. Then show me. Just show me. That's all I ever asked. Well, I can't. Yeah, yeah, you can't. It's an so assumption. It, it's an have. assumption because. Yeah. Uh, Did you know they also might have all worn pink underwear? Yeah, and I can show you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm having fun with you. Sometimes just, the broadcaster wears pink yeah. underwear. There's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of, well, at least you're wearing them. There's a, there's a lot of it could have been, and that's what I, as, when I'm trying to research history, I try to stay away from it could have been's and just report what we find. Now, I'm not going to argue with you. They could have. Correct. Right? They could have. Well, I'm sure they did. But, but we don't want to make a point of that because we don't know they did. That's all. That's right. Because it wouldn't have been, even my scenario that I'm working out in my head, it wouldn't have been something everybody went by anyway. Uh, it would have been like a local thing, a regional thing, exactly. a, a and, team thing. And that happens a lot with... With vintage teams, they see one team do it, and then they think, oh, everyone did it. And that's not always the case. Is that well, like standing next to the base that you're uh, defending? Well, that's, that, was, that was the way people were taught uh, based on that lithograph that people saw when they first were first playing the game. And even here uh, at Old Bethpage Village, the first year, things were not as they should be. They, had, they learned, too. They learned things as they went along. They did more research. Um, and change the game as they progressed. And that didn't happen in the Midwest as much. So, um. Six shooter is going to take a walk, and he's going to go down to first base. It's going to uh, keep Copper at third base, as we saw walks yesterday in 64. Oh, uh, leaning, but six shooter gets back 
not so gracefully. <laughs> uh, dancing, ballroom dancing is not something that Six Shooter does. Well, that was a perfect example of what an 1860s slide might have looked like. <laughs> you know, it wasn't feet first standing up in the base. You know, he, was, he fell down. He went down into the base. Good job on your accuracy, Six Shooter. <laughs> Mr. Johnson, Adam Johnson to the plate. That's going to get by. Copper's going to, with his... His return speed is going to score, and Six Shooter's going to make his second uh, on that. So Canton's going to get back on the board uh, in this inning. Yeah, a better example of the one team doing it kind of thing is the Knickers. You know, we found a team in 1866 out in Connecticut that did it. They were the first team that we found uh, evidence of that. And so everyone says, oh, well, now everyone in 66 or later can wear them. But it was really the Cincinnati Red Stockings that kind of brought it in vogue, if you will. Um, that's when teams started making the change. So, but what do you do? I mean, they're. It's more of a, uh, as Adam Johnson, I believe the pitch, uh, the count's two and one on him. And uh, he's been swinging the bat so well today. Oh, yeah. He's crushed it both times. Uh, yeah. The Knickers are more of a, a presentational, this is fun kind of thing. And we always say, and there's another strike to Mr. Johnson that the first thing that people outside of vintage baseball notice is the uniform. And the Knickers, uh, I would say, in my opinion, the Knickers help that presentation as far as eye-catching. But uh, And so does the pink underwear. The pink underwear, <laughs> it catches many oh. eyes in my household. Got it. Uh, and Got Mr. It. Johnson swings through for third out. Canton's going to put one up. It's going to increase their, the score to 13-4. to four. As uh, Aiden will be coming up for the Grays, and we'll be very attentive to Aiden's at bat because we totally missed his first hit. That was my fault. I apologize. I, I it distracted wasn't, you. It, I wasn't. Yeah, we we're both distracted. Nobody distracts me. I do it Let myself. Me get out of here, Brian. You're in, okay. You jump right in. There's only one right there. So. Okay. Uh, Mr. Travers. Good morning. Good to see you. You were saying something to me yesterday about how. How have you not been back on the show because you thought it went rather well? It did go rather well, and of course you can come back on the show. But right now, my question to you is, tell me about the Providence Grace, the first incarnation. The original Providence Grace started in 1878 and lasted until 1885. So with this being the silver anniversary of this incarnation, we've lasted three times longer than the original team. They won two pennants, 79 and 84. And then after the 84 season, they got together with the New York Metropolitans of the American Association and said, hey, guys, let's make some money. So they decided to have a postseason series. Supposed to be a three-game series. Providence took all three games. They played the third one anyway, and that became the first world championship 19 years before the World Series. After the 85 season, Grays ran out of money and disbanded. They ran out of money a season after they put this championship together? And that was National League Baseball, too. It's not even like it was just town versus town kind of thing. But, yeah, owners moved on and uh, started a team in Hartford. So so if you're a member of the Providence Grays back in 1885 and the team disbands, I mean, you're all going off in different directions and playing with whatever teams you can find is uh, there's a foul ball. Pretty much. So... So, yeah, so is there anybody from a Providence Grays roster in that short amount of time that would go on to do something notable with somebody else after that? Um, I really don't worry about what happened to them after they left the Grays. Our notable guys being guys like Old Haas, he had a long career. He played with Boston after that. He won 300 games in about 11 seasons. 
So we just had another ball go way back into the shrubbery. So we got to bring out uh, ball number three. I'm going back there to get all of those balls later and sell them. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll be uh, visiting you in the hospital with your serious case of Lyme disease. Yes. I knew I could bring something back from this. Uh, Mr. Travers, uh, how many years of the 25 years of the reincarnation of the Providence Grays have you been a part of? 23. This is my oh, 23rd season. That's impressive. And uh, any big memories from the Providence Grays over that 23 years? Can you pull one out that sticks above all? You have so many memories of this game as there's a foul ball down the left field line. Third baseman's going to get over there. And Mr. Tidwell is going to make the play, and it's because of, of his abnormally large hands. You got to check out the hands on that guy, by the way. Oh it's, no, we we've uh, I shook an, his hand, and I think it went halfway halfway up my forearm. Uh, it's, he's an alien. Yes, but uh, you got a memory that sticks out over the twenty-three years. You know, we don't play a lot of tournaments. This is mostly festivals because it's really about educating people on the game, having fun, seeing basically extended family from all over the country. But we've had a few tournaments, and there's one in particular. This was back in 2002. So back then, uh, there used to be a tournament in downtown Hartford every year, and we played in Bushnell Park. And I'll never forget the game because we were uh, we gotten lit up by the Hartford Senators the day before. And then we were deciding, what are we going to do with our pitching rotation? We were trying to decide, should we each guy go three innings? And we were like, no, that's not right. You throw it until your arm falls off. So I went out there and threw, and – this is uh, 1884, so this would have been an overhand game and probably threw a good 250 pitches and uh, give up seven singles to maybe the most talented vintage team I had ever seen, a uh, bunch of guys who had played some serious college ball and seven singles, and we won 10-8 on one of the most amazing stops I've ever seen. Uh, Chris Gritmoran was up last out of the game, crushed a ball that he hit so hard as a lefty off of me, a lefty, I couldn't even turn my head quick enough and there's a grounder to the third baseman. He's, Mr. Tidwell, again, is going to come up with a play and make an accurate throw over to first. Uh, so, as I was saying, I couldn't even turn my head quick enough. A rocket at my first baseman who just stuck his giant paw up, knocked the thing down, walked over and stepped on the base, and we were like, we just beat a bunch of All-Americans. This was amazing. <laughs> and, you know, because when you're doing it for the love of the game and to do it for the reasons that we have for so long – there aren't trophies. There aren't medals. So to even have anything like that happen is special. A uh, question I, I brought up to myself in the last inning that you're going to have the answer to. Your pitcher, Kai, mm -hmm. is he going to pitch the whole game? If he wants to. Okay. If his arm is up for it. So the accurate way that this would go, and it actually caused a lot of strife with the original 84 grades, is the pitcher would throw until he was too hurt to throw. And... It led to a very famous incident where the other Grays pitcher, because back then there were 120 game seasons and you had two starting pitchers. And so there was Charlie Radborn and then there was Charlie Sweeney. And Sweeney didn't like that they were trying to pull him because that was unheard of. So he stormed off the field. So they went to Old Haas and said, okay, here's the deal. If you pitch every day we ask you to, we will either triple your salary or we'll give you free agency, which baseball people know didn't exist until Kurt Flood. And so he, at one stretch, pitched 19 games in 20 days, and the day he took off, he played right field. And that's the year he won 59 games. Wow. So i got to head out to the field. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for stopping by. You're a good man, Mr. Travers. 
And uh, so the third out was just recorded as Mr. Henson grounded out to the shortstop. Uh, accurate throw by six shooter over to meal ticket. And that's going to retire the Grays one, two, three. As the score remains 13 to four. And Ace is going to lead off for Canton. So Mr. Travers right there just gave you some of that sweet, sweet vintage baseball knowledge that you're looking for between the nonsense that happens on this podcast. But let me tell you what, between Mr. Canino and uh, Mr. Gaskell and Mr. Travers, uh, the information that you've gotten uh, from the Doc Adams Festival on my podcast has been invaluable, and uh, I hope you all can uh, listen to this and appreciate the knowledge that you've just gotten as... He says Kai is going to pitch until his arm falls off. I think that's not a direct quote, but very accurate. And even though Kai has given up 13 runs, he obviously has skill at this position, not only with the throwing of the ball to the plate, but just the little things, keeping runners on, changing your motion, uh, changing the speeds. He, he does it all. Is that a geese? Mr. Twilliger foul ball uh, over here by us. I was hearing geese in the background or rusty springs. I don't I don't know what's going on. As uh, more more people are filtering in here to Old Beth Page down the path that exists that you can see down the third baseline, but far enough back so it doesn't really come into play. Uh, right near the entrance, uh, when you come into the visitor center of Old Beth Page, right off the parking lot. So not a long walk, uh, unless you're carrying a bunch of equipment. Ground ball to third. Throw over to first. Uh, on time and very accurate, held by Mr. Travers. And ace, the fastest man in vintage baseball, is going to be an out. That's going to bring up Muffin Man, ninth, ninth batter in the Shuckers lineup today as uh Muffin Man always has a smile on his face. Is he really enjoying himself? Is it a nervous smile? As a swing through. I'm gonna ask somebody later. Hopefully somebody from Canton comes over during this match. I'm I'm actually positioned uh right close to the Grays so it was easy to talk to Mr. Travers uh, while he was Waiting to go back to the field. Uh, swing and a miss by uh, Muffin Man. I believe that's two, two strings. And there's a hit over the second baseman's head. That's going to be a hit for the Muffin Man. Right fielder uh, kicks it to himself and gets the ball in. The sun is finally changing a little bit of direction to get it get the sun off of my equipment. So I don't overheat. <laughs> Mr. Feeney, top of the lineup, coming up. One out. There's a throw over to first. Muffin Man gets back. There's a very low throw, but uh, well blocked by the catcher of the Grays, keeping Muffin Man at first.
Mr. Feeney awaiting that pitch. Here comes a steal attempt by the Muffin Man. It's going to be a good throw, and it's going to get him uh, by a half a step. It's a fine, uh, a fine throw by the Providence Grays. That's going to be the second out of the inning. Mr. Feeney up. And that's a pound into the ground to the third baseman. High hop, throw over. Uh, it's going to be a short hop to the first baseman. He had more time than he thought. And uh, he might have rushed that throw a little bit. Mr. Feeney's going to take his second on the air. Uh, but w when you're playing infield and Mr. Feeney hits it to you, he's w one of the many shuckers that you feel like you don't have a ton of time. Uh, but Mr. Feeney's gotten older. And he's had many Chipotle burritos, and it's starting to show. He's no longer an elite uh, runner. He's now just uh, an awesome runner. Is that the the hierarchy of, oh, Mr. Feeney started his run to third to steal, pickoff throw, he has to get back, and he does. But he was definitely going on that pitch. He takes a hop step. Uh, who hits it between the third baseman and the shortstop? Marbles is going to take his third. Who's going to take his first? It's still a very good opportunity right now for the Grays. If they can get copper without giving up any runs, you've uh, gotten through the top third of the lineup not giving up any runs, and you can uh, start chipping away at this lead. We got a lead by Mr. Feeney of about three steps at third base. Mr. Who's off by about four, five, four at first base. There's a soft throw over to first base. And uh, they're having a little bit of fun out there, too. It's not all serious as uh, Who takes his lead back off. There's a high throw to Copper. They're going to throw it down to third base to see if they can keep uh, catch Mr. Feeney napping down there. They did not. He gets back with a head first slide. And who uh, stole second on that play? Copper Ka rushes one over the left fielder's head. It's going back to the big shrubbery in left field. Two runs score easily. Copper into second. Uh, let it be said, Copper's playing a hell of a game. For the Shuckers. Not only does he look younger, his legs anyway, he looks young. His legs look young and fresh, but that ball was co-rushed. And uh, here's Mr. Tidwell. If you go back into the archives, you can hear one of my earliest episodes is with Mr. Tidwell. And then I talked to his father, Toymaker, at the Ohio Cup last year, which was a thrill. Uh, giant hands. Jesus. He plays third base, alien hands, like I was telling Mr. Travers. It's crazy. High pitch to Mr. Tidwell. Rubbing on the baseball by the pitcher. Uh, he's ready to go. Over the top. High pop up to the first baseman. Mr. Travers uh, catches it, records the out. So bone shakers last out. The Canton Corn Shuckers are going to put two more on the board in the 
fourth inning to take a 15 to four lead. Johnny's gonna be the leadoff hitter for the Grays. We are an hour and 16 minutes into this two hour match. So plenty of baseball still to come. And uh, Copper getting that catcher's equipment back on. You can hear the airplane going over top. Here's uh, Johnny walking up to the square. I have an ice rig. It's going to be Johnny, Grandpa, and Kai here in the bottom of the fourth for the Providence Grays. You heard the great history of the Providence Grays with some stories and and uh, a phenomenal team. Uh, I've only had a chance to interact with uh, just a couple of them, and I'm hoping to get more on the podcast in the future. Uh, absolutely. I want to get Johnny, who's the batter right now, to... Play some guitar on the, on the podcast. That would be fun. Uh, and there's a, I believe, who took something off on that first pitch uh, to Johnny. And there's a couple of balls to lead off the inning so far. Who does appear that he's really not overthrowing, more concerned about strikes and accuracy as uh, there's a swinging strike. The, there's a strike call. So that's going to be two strikes, two balls on Johnny. And that's going to be uh, strike three called for a strike out for who on Johnny that's going to bring Grandpa up. Now that I'm in the shade, it's, uh, it's nice. I positioned the tent to where the shade's really going to help me later, but it's uh, starting to help me now. As uh, the dragonflies stop by to say hi, Grandpa takes the pitch low. Who into his motion? It's a swing through for a strike. And there's a ball on Grandpa. And a long day of baseball ahead. Still, first game of the day. Uh, Grandpa with a swing through and a strike. Uh, I'm inter I'll be interested to talk to Kai, the pitcher of the Rays, to see what pitching a full game of 84 rules does. Not Obviously, he's going to do it, and he's probably done it before many times. But then he's got to bounce back and play in other games, not pitching. But they do have a game at 1030 right after this game against the Brooklyn Eckfords over on Schenk Field. And I'd be curious to find out 
as there's a pound into the ground, foul ball, as uh, how it affects his stamina for the rest of the day. What's his energy level like? How, uh, you know, without the pitching, you don't have to worry about how his arm hurts. It maybe has something to do with where he plays defensively. There's a strike. Swing through on Grandpa, but the ball hits into the dirt, and they got to throw down to first to complete that strikeout. And they do for the second out of the inning. That's going to bring Kai up. And uh, Mr. Emma doing a fantastic job as an umpire in this match. In my opinion is doesn't mean anything. I don't know if he's doing a great job. <laughs> he just is to me. Uh, there's a well-hit ball into center field. It's going to go through the legs of the center fielder, so Kai's going to go for second. The throw's going to come in, and he's going to think like, he's going to think about doing that turn back around, go back to first base. So that's going to be a single for Kai. Would have been a close play. Uh, ball was coming into the to Mr. Johnson, who's playing second base, and he was going to turn and fire a six shooter. Uh, that would have been a close play. Mr. Dugan back up, leadoff hitter for the Providence Grace. That's who uh, looks over to first base to hold the runner on. And uh, there's a throw down to second for the steal, uh, but Kai is going to take his second. Who does not have a wasted motion for to uh, home plate with his pitches? It's It's very quick. He probably... Now he's probably going to slow it back down a little bit, but that uh, that motion to home plate on that pitch was uh, definitely abbreviated. As Kai gets about a four-step lead off a second, there's a low pitch that's going to get Kai over to third. And uh, Mr. Dugan... Pounds it into the ground, foul, straight back. And, uh, you know, according to the trees in the outfield, as this field is surrounded by trees in the outfield, trees in a house, I mean, but it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And the best part about all the trees in the outfield, they don't come into play. So you're not losing anything that's in the forest as a swing and a strike. You're not losing anything. It's the foul territory that you're losing all the balls in. But you have to. I mean, I've seen some balls crushed, and, and they're not going to get to that forest. So Mr. Dugan pounds into the ground, foul straight back. But it's absolutely breathtaking view. And you can see some of the trees uh, moving, swaying in the, in the breeze that they are apparently getting. I ain't getting diddly. The flags down the first baseline do show a little bit of a breeze uh, as there's a swing through and a miss of the ball. Copper uh, misplays the ball and has to complete the strikeout by throwing to first base, and that's going to bring this inning to an end. As uh, once again, the, sh the Shuckers have shut down the Grays, and that score is going to stay the same. 
The score is now 15 to 4. Fifteen to four is accurate. Meal ticket's gonna lead off for the Shuckers. And Mr. Emma coming over to uh update the scoreboard after every inning. He is uh Mr. Emma is a fine gentleman and he very much concerns about the accuracy and how how his portrayal is, not his not just his but everybody else's. He's he wants things to be accurate and on the up and up, and he was lamenting about how he couldn't wear his top hat as the umpire in this game because it wasn't accurate. And uh, so maybe we'll see him in his top hat later, just wearing it because uh, I think he likes that hat. Here's meal ticket. Kai's still on the, the box. The sweat is starting to show through on the Canton Corn Shuckers uniforms. As a, it is hot, but at least we have some cloud cover coming once in a while, as we are experiencing right now. As there's a ball high, uh, really taking some of that's like a break. Uh, we got flags down the first baseline now, going in two different directions. They're not that far away from each other, so that's uh, a swirly, twirly. Meal take with a swing through and a miss, and there is a bit of a breeze right now. Oh, I'm going to enjoy this moment. Meal take it to the shortstop on a couple bounces. Mr. Dugan with the throw over to first, well held by Mr. Travers, and that's going to be the first out. Solid defensive play there. And that's going to bring up six shooter for the Cangorn Shuckers. Oh, we're joined again by Mr. Gaskell. I'm a kibitzer, so when I see people I haven't talked to in a bit, I go do it. <laughs> um, what was that word? Kibitz. Ah. Six shooter takes one low. See, I'm a yacker. I'm a kibitzer. Uh, six shooter pounds it into the ground to third baseman. Well held over there. Throw over to Mr. Travers is a bit short, uh, but he recuperates quick enough to record the second out on six shooter. See again. That's going to bring up uh, dirt bag as Mr. Gaskell's kibitzing back here. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, kibitz all you want, sir. <laughs> Yak and kibitz and all that. Mr. Uh, Mr. Ed Elmore walked by in pigtail, so I wanted to say hello to him. Saw him in Gettysburg, and it's the first time I met him. He's also big into the history of the game, and so was that kind of guy. Was that your first time to Gettysburg? Yes. And uh, so First time here. Oh, that's true. Well, that's what retirement does for you. It does, and this, this were the two trips that were on our my. Baseball bucket list for when I retired. Uh, uh, swing straight back by Mr. Johnson. He had bad intentions in that swing. Some real bad intentions. So what's on your bucket list for next year? Uh, Grand Canyon, Yellowstone. Oh, um, you're going to? Kind of, we're going to go west. 
Go West, young man. Uh, no baseball next year well, on the bucket list. There, no real baseball. There is an event I'm seeing advertised out in Denver. Oh. Um, it's, it's a different game. <laughs> I have to put a different hat on when I go to something like that. But uh, we, we may, if the, if the timing works. If the timing works, we may catch that. But for the most part, it is, you know, I, my wife comes with me to all these baseball trips. We're going to go somewhere where we can just relax and maybe do some spring training by the Grand Canyon if it works out, that kind of stuff. But uh, Kai takes a, something off the pitch to Mr. Johnson and uh, a change-up, if you will. And Mr. Johnson, way ahead of it, swings. They're getting a laugh out of it uh, right now. There's that lefty. Yep. Coming Kai down. comes from the side. Swing through by Mr. Johnson. It was a twirler. Twirly. Uh, high pitch. This has been a, a, quite the game of cat and mouse, this at-bat right here. Uh, as he takes something off again, and Mr. Johnson hits a grounder over to third, and that's going to be another short throw over to first. Mr. Travers knocks it down, but not able to make the play on that. Dirtbag's going to take us first on a very interesting sequence of pitches during that at-bat. The Grays are struggling with those throws first. They're struggling a little bit. So, See if Canton makes some pay. Well, you can't struggle on throws with this guy up to the plate. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Twilliger, who's... Uh, has not reached base yet today. Uh, you can't keep him off the bases uh, like this usually. So uh, they're doing a good job with, with ace today. There's a throw over to first base. Mr. Johnson did not have much of a selfish lead over there. It was uh, He does not appear to be in stealing mode as there's a Powell ball down the first baseline. Mr. Johnson still probably feeling some of the effects of the ankle injury he suffered in Sharonville at the beginning of the season. Uh, so I would say he's probably not going to attempt to steal. Next year on my bucket list, I'm going to the Sulphur Dell Cup down in Tennessee, and I'm going to Gettysburg next year as I have not done that. Cool. So. Yeah, it's uh, six fields. A lot of games. If they keep all 32 teams coming in, whether it's festival or tournament, it won't matter. You're going you're gonna to have a <coughs> choice of a lot of baseball. Probably, have you heard? I would assume not hearing anything as there's a ball that gets by the catcher as Dirtbag's going to take a second. I would assume they're going to stick back with the tournament uh, format. Yeah, and I, I'm not in charge of anything, but based on the feedback I got on my Zoom I had afterwards, it was a mix. So oh. what wouldn't surprise me, and I don't know anything about it, is that they do 16 in a tournament, 16 in a festival, something like that. That would not surprise me. Um, but the, the, the way it was coming back from the feedback is that the good teams, the really good teams, want that tournament because they right. want to face another good team. As uh, Mr. Twilliger ropes it into center field, first, first hit of the day, Mr. Johnson stays at third. And, and Ace, I don't know where you're going, dude. <laughs> he just wants to run. Adam Johnson's yeah. still on third base. Ace didn't know it and was thinking about, I don't know what he was thinking, to tell you the truth. As, you know, he's too fast for his own good. You, know, you talked about that 31-3 to game yesterday, and that's what these good teams don't want to do when they travel. Sure. You know, to Gettysburg. And so that's why, that's why my comment was they could do half and half, but 
that's you know Bruce. Those guys do a wonderful job. It was just amazing all the setup and stuff. And so, however they form it, you know, people are going to show up. People are just oh no, no matter what format they have, they're going to fill it up. Yep. So. I mean, you do have the luxury of that. You don't have to sell anybody on anything. No, no. <laughs> you just open the doors and they walk in. That's right. Muffin Man with a short swing. He's going to strike out. They're going to throw down to first to complete that strikeout as the tag is made by Mr. Travers, and that's going to bring this inning to an end. Uh, and there's another opportunity for the Grays as they uh, shut out the can corn shuckers in the top of the fifth, keeping the score 15-4. to four. You want to add history to your podcast? <laughs> Go to Gettysburg. <laughs> There's nothing. Hey, don't be afraid that, to ring that these whole town is up. history. That's all it is. It's history. Well, absolutely. That's, don't go uh, easy on them. <laughs> is it bad that I'm rooting for the Grays and the Empire? I'm still going to call it down the middle. Though. It's not bad. I'm rooting for the Grays and I'm from Michigan. Uh, oh, are you are you going to do our game? <laughs> damn corn shuckers. Anyway, so. Uh, as you can hear in the background, many more people are showing up. Uh, Mr. Canino has showed up, so the energy in the room picks up a little bit. And gets louder. <laughs> and uh, a smile that you haven't really seen across Mr. Emma's face happens. Uh, that's what Mr. Canino does to a room. And Oh, there, there's a backstory, and I'm not going to talk about it, but there's a backstory that made that smile happen between me and Anthony. So um, you'll, you'll catch it if you're still here for the next game. Because all you're going to hear is him and me. <laughs> oh, Mr. Travers, a uh, grounder to shortstop. It's going to be uh, thrown over by six shooter, well held over by meal ticket. And that's going to be the first out. We are an hour and 33 minutes into a two-hour game. So we still got some time for some baseball action as Banquet comes up. Who delivers a strike? I'll be I'll be interested to talk to who after this game to see what it was like pitching. I'm I am surprised that Canton has used the same pitcher for the entire match. They're probably I don't know this, but saying to themselves if Providence is do, sticking with the same pitcher, then they're going to stick with the same pitcher. And there's no team that respects vintage baseball more than Canton Corn Shuckers. They want to do it right. They want to pay the respect to the game as a grounder to third is going to be well held over at first base. And that's the second out of the inning, bringing up Aiden. Uh, Canton wants to do it right. They want to play by your rules. Uh, if they're traveling, they want to show you the respect by playing by your rules and, and putting on the presentation that you as a, as a home club or whoever they're meeting on the road does it. They they love the game. They respect it the right way, and uh, and they win a lot. I don't know what that's got to do with anything, but they do win a lot. And strike one to Aiden. Who brings it in? That's going to be a base hit into left center field. They are going to keep him uh, to a single as Marbles gets it in, as that's Aiden's first First trip to the bases uh, in this match, bringing up Jerry, who's playing a fine third base. He's just got to get that throw. He just needs two more feet on his throw over to first base on some of these throws. But uh, the catching of the ball, not an issue. 
And uh, he's also made plays, so it's not like it's it's happening all the time. But uh, fine ball player, this uh, this young man, and a fine beard, if I may say so. <laughs> Mr. Henson, that's on, uh, that's on deck. Uh, there's a pound into the ground to the third baseman. Mr. Tidwell uh, suffocates the ball with his hands and throws over to first base to meal ticket. Fine display of defense by the Canton Corn Shuckers. They've been sure-handed the entire game. That makes a big difference. Well, they play 67 rules in Michigan, and when you play 67 rule teams in Michigan, you have to play defense or you're going to get eaten up because it's an offensive game uh, in Michigan for sure. So, if you, Empire just called last inning, so this will be it. Last inning, and that 12 inning, that 12 run first inning by Canton is proving to be very important as. They haven't had to do much since because they haven't done much since. No. And uh, 15 to 4, still the score. As Corky said last inning, uh, right here. And, uh, you know, Lyme disease balls. <laughs> you you got to go back there with a beekeeper suit on then. I uh, I ended up spending about an hour crying yesterday because that 1858 ball I made for the Knickerbocker team to play their 1858 game in the ninth inning oh. got hit into the woods and they couldn't find it. Oh, one of my kids. One of my kids will remain here in Gettysburg, or in Gettysburg, in, uh, at Old Bethpage, forever. But that's kind of a cool <laughs> thing, though, isn't it? Well, a piece of you is always going to be here. As a squirrel comes by and pees on it. All right, Marbles. Leadoff hitter for the Canton Corn Shuckers in the lineup. And leadoff hitter for the Canton Corn Shuckers here in the sixth inning. As the dragonfly population has grown. There's a fly ball, a center fielder. He's going to uh, he's gonna miss it. It's hard to catch a, a baseball with no glove. Uh, so I think that's what that situation was. The was there in plenty of time. Marble's taking his first with a very, I want to say, a two-step lead over there. Uh, there's a side, a sidearm pitch to who? And uh, Marbles has taken another step. And who's going to take a strike? There's a throw down to first to see if they can get Mr. Marbles. There's a a misplay at first, and Marbles is going to take his second. As the Connecticut Bulldogs have made an appearance as they're playing in the next match against the Brooklyn Atlantics. And... Uh, Looking forward to calling that match as well as who hits it to left field directly to the left fielder who's going to camp and make the play. So that's going to be one out bringing up Copper who has done a fantastic job as a catcher in an 1884 game that he's never done before with a glove he's never worn before. 
He's looked fantastic in this game. You'd swear that I'm sucking up to Copper for some reason. I have no reason to do this. Uh, I just can't say enough how good he's looked in this in this match. Marbles is taking a big lead over at second base now, and then he's coming off almost halfway between pitches. Uh, so the intensity on the bases that wasn't on Marbles' mind at first base has switched to where he's thinking about things. And there's a he took some uh, Kai takes something off the ball and it and it falls in for a strike on that one. Have you uh, had a chance to mention the opportunity to the, for the striker to request a high or a low? I have not. I don't know this. Uh, there's a uh, delayed steal by Mr. Feeney on a misplay by the catcher on a swing through by Copper. Uh, why don't you go ahead with that, Mr. Gasco? So they uh, and you you you'll hear the umpire that as the striker walks up, he will say, uh, you know, I'd like to. Rec he has the option. I would like to request a high pitch or a low pitch, and that just determines the strike zone of where, you know, belt buckle up or belt buckle down kind of thing. Copper's going to uh, send a grounder to third base, and they're going to throw over to first. There's going to be a misplay at first. Copper's going to be safe, and Marbles is going to score as a result. So if you're a low ball hitter, you just walk up and say, low pitch, sir, and the umpire will let the pitcher know that he, the striker would like it to be low. And the pitcher will do his best to accommodate. When does that stop? When did they stop accommodating? I do not know the answer to that one. I do not know the year. Finally, something for you to look up. Oh, I, You've I, looked everything up, and now... <laughs> Now you have something to do. <laughs> you, would be, you would be surprised how many questions I get asked because, you know, like like you said, they think I know every year. I don't. My focus really is 1857. Hey, you guys doing? <laughs> it's live on the air, by the way, so just keep moving, sir. No, you do I'm not have to keep moving. Absolutely not. <laughs> Jeff, how are you doing? Good. Good to see you. Good to see you guys. This is a great game to uh, kind of. Absolutely. I'm having the time of my life. 84, Canton against the Providence Grays. I don't know. You've got your usual cart of bats here. All the bats. You know, can't carry the bats. you got to have a wagon for all the different bats. Yeah. I want to talk to you about your bats. I loved it at uh, Gettysburg. I finally met Rudy Frias. Yes. And I looked at his bat. Senior. Senior. Yeah, Rudy Frias Senior, yeah. And I just looked at that, bat, and with all the research, you looked at all of the bats, it was easily the best representation of an early 19th century bat. In all of Gettysburg. Oh. Easily the best. Even some of my bats are good. I've gotten there, but I've learned a couple little things, like a good taper and stuff. I've got one here that I call my Gettysburg bat, and it's very good, and that's a, a great representation. But his just had a little extra style to it that was just perfect. Perfect. And then it was it was great. So uh, Colin Miller, Stumpy, from the MAC team, Mountain Athletic Club, he found a picture on some historic area, and he put it on Facebook. And I looked at the picture. The bat in the picture was exactly like Rudy Frias. Oh. Exactly. And so I was like, there I go. It was, it was backed up. Backed up with uh, documentation. So uh, you're getting a little treat there as Mr. Kornos has stopped by the, the tent to give us some bat knowledge because I goaded him into it. <laughs> as there's a fly ball out to left field. I tried to shoot him along, but you wouldn't let go. <laughs> Bone shaker's going to be the second <laughs> out of the inning. I'm sticky. Copper's <laughs> going to uh, uh, score on that. 
And uh, it sure is a treat when you see people walk by. And I know social media is not very vintage, but you see people. I've interviewed quite a few people that are here this week, and I've never met them. And uh, so it's nice to be able to share some of the same space with these people. Uh, meal ticket takes one high. Uh, Mr. Travers over at first base. Mr. Cornhaus that just walked by. Mr. Chicarello uh, that I spent some time with a couple of times yesterday. Don't let it get in. Don't let it get in. And uh, Mr. Canino, who I have spent time with at Frankenmuth, and uh, just one of my favorite people, and able to spend more time with him this weekend. Uh, obviously, the can corn shuckers I've had plenty of exposure to, and they just keep exposing themselves to me. This is, uh, or am I exposing myself to them? It's creepy is what it is. Uh, dozens of dragonflies have made their way over here uh, to my left as meal ticket waits and follows oh, it back no. to the shrubbery. That one might, that one might be right. Mr. Twilliger is going into the shrubbery looking for this one. He might be successful on this. It didn't go way back. Uh, it's going to be a hard find is because of the denseness of the shrubbery. Shrubbery. And you mentioned the, the dragonflies yesterday. We had some, uh, some guests on this field. I thought they were turkeys, and I was corrected by someone who actually knew they're called guinea hens. We had a couple guinea hens on right field to start just before this match started. Uh, I didn't know what they were, and I just found out just now. <laughs> yeah, I posted because somebody posted, look, there's some geese for goose. And I went, no, I think they're turkeys. And the next guy came out and says, no, no, we raised those when I was a kid. That's a guinea hen. <laughs> they did find the ball. Uh, comes back in. They had gone to game ball number four, but now they're back to game ball number three. Uh, so game ball number four can start off you know, the next match or whatever. It only had one pitch on it. So it's still a new ball. As uh, Meal Ticket follows one straight back. Yep, we are at the uh, hour and 45-minute mark. So uh, when the Providence Grays come back in, get their last at-bats, that'll be the end of this. Uh, long at bat here between meal ticket and Kai as meal ticket takes one low. I'm being neutral with this game. You know, I don't want to see a good game, but I also know what meal ticket is capable of. And boy, I'd love to see him just turn on a fastball. He is not hitting anything to right field uh, in this match. Yeah. It's probably a combination of the speed and the lefty pitcher that's having to do that. Left center field. Uh, line drive. It's oh. going to get past the center fielder, and it's going to keep rolling. He's going to get a double out of it. The ball's coming back in. Nice throw back in by the center fielder. He's tired. He's standing in the shade. He's taking a minute to enjoy the shade. If they're going to hit it here, I'm just going to Not a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> As six shooter is up, uh, center fielder does some stretching, comes back in to play. Uh, meal ticket wastes no time as he takes a running start on the lead, and there's no chance to get him at third base. Canton is not going to slow down at any point during any match. Uh, they're here to enjoy themselves and play baseball to the very last down, and you must know this. They are not in a game that's uh, and six-shooter is going to pound it back to the pitcher into the ground. Pitcher's up, throw to first base. 
Brian Travers has had to take so many short hops over there at first base. It's uh, third out. Like, don't throw it to me on the fly. I don't know what to do. <laughs> so here comes the bottom of the sixth. This is going to be the end of the game. But the Canton Corn Shuckers will play to the very last out. They are not in a game that uh, is lopsided. They're not rubbing it in. They're just giving you their honest 100% effort from the first pitch of the game to the last pitch of the game. And and they're doing it out of respect. We talk about that many times, how teams back in the 19th century would score a ton of runs against not very many runs, and it wasn't thought of as offensive. Uh, you know, it's just the way the cookie crumbles, and that's the way Canton uh, treats the game. If Canton were to lose a game 60-4, to four, Trust me, they don't care. They they're they're just out here playing baseball. They're all friends. They're having a time of their lives, and they are the prototype of what Midwest baseball vintage clubs could be. And uh, of course, they win a lot, and that that goes a long way with some people. I know that. And there's the first pitch of the inning by who. Some of those teams could be, but they could be if they were 40 years younger. <laughs> also, the youth. Also, teams. the youth is is amazing. It's nice that they picked up a six-shooter who's got some life in his hair uh, t- to bring the average age up from 24 to 26 on the Canton Corn Shuckers. But, uh, <laughs> Wait, I, I've talked to people. I, I laugh. You know, Canton's measured on average age, and then you got Lat Rock, who I measure on average weight. <laughs> They're just a group of big boys. They, Over there in Flat Rock. Uh, they, and they crush oh, the they ball. Do. They do. And they're uh, good guys, too. I mean, Canton and, and Flat Rock are both, they're, they play the same way, right? They're just going hard. They're just going hard. The only difference between the two is is the athleticism, yeah. which when they play each other, what is this? <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Is, is definitely in Canton's favor. Uh but I don't know if there's a more athletic team than Canton anywhere. No. Well, so. I, I don't know all the teams out here east, but there, there, there are some, I'm sure, that will. Mike Feeney came back from Gettysburg talking so highly of the Bovina Dairymen. Yep, yep that's a good example. And I'll be interviewing uh, somebody from the Dairymen uh, after my vacation. Nick, by chance, Nick Franston? I don't remember. I don't. I don't. Captain yeah, it so. is. Okay. That's who it yeah. is. He's a good guy. Really good guy. I'm so old. Gentleman. My memory. Uh, Mr. Henson's going to dribble and foul, and then he's going to swing again. Uh, the ball's going to be in the dirt. They're going to throw to first to, to complete the strikeout of Mr. Henson, and that's going to bring up Johnny. Thank you, Matt. I'm going to step away. I'm going to prepare myself to umpire the next match. Well, good luck with that. Chat with you. Absolutely. Anytime, Mr. Gaskell, you are... Uh, Full of knowledge. Oh, thank you for saying knowledge that time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, children are listening. Uh, I learn something every time I talk to Mr. Gaskell. That's no lie. Uh, but you know what? The true gift of this podcast that I do in these situations is I learn something every time I talk to anybody. Uh, you know, whether it be a small detailer and there's a broken bat. Back to the pitcher, and he breaks it. So Johnny uh, 
grounds back to the pitcher. The play is made. He is out. He stops halfway down the. I hope you picked it up. I hope you heard it. He broke the bat over his knee because not only did he hit it to the pitcher, but he broke his bat in the process. So he's angry. The bat has been broken into. It's been flung around. There's a child walking around with it, uh, stabbing, stabbing people. No, that's not happening. Grandpa gets a hit into center field. Uh, Grandpa's first uh, first hit today, and Kai's gonna come up. It's a fantastic hit. That was a fantastic display of anger and intensity by Johnny. <laughs> I'm just sitting down for a picture. And uh, we're getting our picture taken right now. I'm going to talk and smile. <laughs> good man. You're a good man. Thank you. And Kai is going to beat it into the ground over here. Foul. And uh, what a true pleasure to be around these gentlemen and to be around this game. And that's why, even though I've retired from play, I've continued. There's a ball. Uh, who's got it better than me right now? Seriously. I don't have to get hurt out there playing and get thrown out from center field. <laughs> I can sit here in the shade and just talk baseball. And there's a long fly ball to right center field. That's going to... Be caught by the center fielder on a well-hit ball. And uh, that's going to bring this game to an end. Uh, Kai's going to be the third out of this game. So you got your final score of 15-4. to four, uh, And Mr. Chicarello sat down. Uh, we'll spend a minute with him before the recording is over. Mr. Chicarello uh, playing in the next match. What can I expect to see in this next match? Uh, who, who are we playing? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it looks like you're playing the uh, Brooklyn Atlantics. Oh, they're good. Um, yeah, they're great. You know, one of the best parts about seeing the Atlantics is when you get to see Eddie Elmore. He's just parked over there in the shade, and uh, he's a really special guy to be around, so I'm really looking forward to talking to Eddie today a little bit. Absolutely, and we're also joined by Mr. Canino over my shoulder. Uh, hey, I want to thank both of you guys uh, for helping me out and coming and talking with me this weekend as Mr. Travers ad addresses the crowd. Mr. Travers uh, gives kudos to the Shuckers. It's Mr. Feeney.
And that's going to do it. Uh, Mr. Canino, before you get into your game that's following this, any any last thoughts? Uh, well, I was actually coming over. I wanted to ask what you thought of the 1884 game. I know it was your first contest, and you may have already uh, mentioned some pleasure you had watching, but was, an ex- was it as uh, exciting as you anticipated? It was better. Ah, awesome. It was better than I was anticipating. I loved it. I'm already got wheels in my head turning about how do I get 84 baseball into Michigan. I mean, it's that serious. Like, that was so much fun. You could start by inviting the Grays, that's for sure. They're a great club, very historically accurate, and they play the game hard, which, as you saw, uh, they were fighting back out of the gate. But Canton did the right thing. They came out swinging, and they got some hits early, scored some runs, and uh, congratulations to them on their victory. Uh, Mr. Canino, as as we wrap up this recording, I want to thank you uh, not only for the new friendship that I have with you, you're a fantastic person. And I look forward to seeing you and talking to you so much. It's almost like I'm a giddy little schoolgirl around you. But uh, you were phenomenal on that broadcast yesterday. And I just want to thank you so much for what you've brought to this podcast uh, and as you bring to me as a friend. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, brother. I I appreciate it. I love you. Thank you. It's great to have you here and be able to do this platform for everybody to enjoy the game far and wide. Uh, Absolutely. And you mean it. And that's the best part of that. So uh, thanks for everybody listening. Uh, Live from the Doc Adams Festival, which I am not live to whoever's listening to this, but recorded. Take care. We'll see you in the next game.